It's Canuck Central in the Kintec studio. Hour number two of the program. Dan Richo and Satyar Shaw. If you missed hour one, we had Greg Wyshynski on from Nashville. His take on what's going to happen at the NHL Awards. And more importantly, what's going to happen at the NHL Draft and during free agency, which is opening up this coming Saturday. So you can check that out. Plus... Our take on what's brewing with the Vancouver Canucks, where things are trending, and options that they have available to them as we get closer to Wednesday night's draft. Will they or will they not select at 11? Will they move off the pick? All of the options are there, so check it out on the podcast. Your favorite podcatcher, subscribe, leave a review, so that way you never miss an edition of Canucks Central, including our Monday check-ins with one of our favorites, the legend himself. It's Don Taylor. Donnie and Dolly, 10 to noon on Check TV, joins us every Monday. Donnie, big big draft week. What what are the Canucks going to do this week? Um, my, my guess is my bet would be nothing. They'll pick, they'll pick out 11, and, <laughs> and that'll be it, and then – have their six picks in the first four rounds and that'll be, there's always a, a bunch of hype and, you know, it just rarely pans out that there's a massive move other than 99. when it worked out pretty well when they got the Sedin. So just, there's always a whole lot of talk and maybe something happens, but I, I would bet against it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm usually there with you. There's always a lot of talk about trading up and down and, and typically none of that actually happens. And I think the more interesting thing is can Vancouver finally uh, move some salary, make an actual trade, uh, you know, ahead of the draft or during this week ahead of free agency, because, you know, I know Rick mentioned the same thing. There's a lot of talk that Vancouver is working very hard to, to move salary and, and make things happen. The question is, are they finally going to be able to pull it off? Yeah. Um, again, just uh, there's always a lot of talk. You know, I, I will say this. We, you know, we don't know a whole lot about Rutherford and Alvin, uh, other than the fact, you know, they want to hire everybody that's in the city of Pittsburgh. Or, or acquire everybody in the city of Pittsburgh. Other than that, we really don't know that much. So, you know, maybe something different will happen. Maybe these guys will do things differently. I mean, the Oliver Ekman Larson buyout kind of came out of nowhere. So that was that was intriguing. So I don't really know these guys that well, but I'm just going back to 1970. Not a whole lot has happened, you know, on on draft day in terms of them moving their their, their picks. But you never know. Like I say, happened in '99. So who knows? Yeah, uh, what we do know is there will be somebody taken later that ends up being the the pick that they missed on. That's usually what happens with the Canucks, right? Well, that's the other thing I'll, I will definitely bet. <laughs> I will definitely bet, bet on that. You know, if you, if you want to have a solid NHL career, make sure the Canucks don't pick you with a pretty high pick. <laughs> it's uh, kind of the way it's gone. Um, but kidding aside, you know the the name that keeps coming up that the Canucks are, are trying to move is, is Connor Garland. And, you know, it's, it, it's a hard one to pinpoint because, you know, here's a player that's done nothing but score pretty, uh, pretty regularly at five on five at a decent rate compared to other players around the league. He's never been given a ton of power play time, but still finds his way to get around 45, 50 ish points. Um, are the Canucks too hasty to move off of Connor Garland? That's what it feels like a little bit. Yeah, um, I, I wonder about that. It just it seems to me that uh, he just would not be Rick Tockett's type of player. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Rick Tockett, has a big, as you would expect, would have a big, big voice there. So it would it would free up a lot of, a lot of money. And I wonder how effective 
you know, Tockett really thinks that that Garland is. So that would be that would be my suspicion there. It wouldn't it, it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me at all, just given his size and the type of player he is. And you know, you're you're right though. He does he does put up you know a decent. Can I say that amount of points and what he does? He does five on five, so that that's interesting. But I just wonder about what I, when you hear talk at talk and he, he's pretty revealing and just he just there's that old mm-hmm. school element to him and I just I just wonder how much he he likes Connor Garland and maybe Alvin and Rutherford feel the same way. Well, and I think when we start looking at and I know Rick mentioned on the back end they're targeting guys like Susie and Ian Cole for instance and I think it's clear that they're not going to be able to find at least in the free agent market that big time addition on the back end so it leaves the forward group and. I mean, when we start looking at the options in free agency and the type of forwards that this team wants, I mean, we keep looking at Barbashev in Vancouver. I know Rick's mentioned that. I know everybody in the market kind of wonders about that. I mean, because he screams Rick Tockett type of player, doesn't he? And I just wonder if that's ultimately where Vancouver spends its money. Do you think they, of all the big acquisitions they might make in free agency, does he not seem like the guy that you'd look at and be like, I wouldn't be, I'd be the least surprised if Vancouver signed? Well, there's offense there, and he lays out some big hits. Yeah. Who, who does that sound like? It sounds like Rick Tockett back, and I'm not comparing him to Rick Tockett, but style-wise, absolutely. Um, and, and by the way, how many times have you mentioned Rick and the things he said on the show? You well, know, I'm giving him credit. On this show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Come, you're gonna be, <laughs> the ego was already massive. He doesn't need. He doesn't need you chiming yeah. in too. Hey, yeah, I, I, I'm of the school of of um, you have to make sure you make your citations right, right, Donnie. You know what I mean? It's like I, I'm a citations guy. You know, I'm not gonna throw something yeah. out there without the proper citation. Now, I won't be taking credit for it. Can't do that. Uh, that's yeah. good. That's good. Protect yourself. I yeah. get it. Absolutely. No, but seriously, Barbashev. Uh, there's there's something there, and I I know this. I know that uh, you know without giving away too much that Kelly McCrimmon and the Vegas Golden Knights are worried about losing him. Like that they don't like everybody talking about Barbashev and how he, you know he might be the prize of the uh, of the free agent class. Re- realistically speaking, um, I I know they're pretty sad. They want to keep him, and they're, they they they're sensitive about people talking about him and. You know, I don't know, not so sure what they think of, of Dan Milstein, who's his agent. I, I, I think is a pretty valuable piece of property. So I think it, it would it would take a lot for the Canucks to get him. So from that point of view, like what they would have to give up or, you know, give up in a contract. I, what, I wonder if he fits in the Canucks plans right now. But, man, he just seem, he seems like a talking type, type of player. And certainly same with Alvin and Rutherford. They like the guy. The uh, the one thing I do know about uh, Canucks fans are they are now afraid of any free agent sign any big free agent signing that oh. may come to the team. It's like your pre your your pre existing thought is like this player is not going to live up to the contract because that's that's just what happens here over the last number of years. Yeah, yeah. Well, going back to the Benning era and yeah, and, and you know it's funny with Jim Benning. Everybody talks about how bad they were on you know when it came to free agents and the reality is that's true no question about it just see louis erickson that's all, all you need to know he's actually he's actually his best time as a as someone as a gm acquiring free agents was right off the bat like this first year with verbata and miller and when you know it wasn't bad it was a great no but you know verbata ended up getting 31 goals his first season fell off after that but it was you know he led them in goals and then after that, it was you know Ryan Miller, who at the end of three years was a, turned out to be a pretty solid acquisition. But the rest of it was just 
horrible, and it hasn't been much much better uh, since. And uh, you know, the jury, I guess, is still out on Micaiah. But you're right; it, it goes way back. It, it is really frightening, and I think people would be happier if they didn't sign anybody, just stood pat, uh, sa- save some money. I think they'd feel better about it the, this time around, and I don't blame them. Mm-hmm. I, I just, given what's happened, I just I, I, I don't blame it. it. Hasn't worked out well. It hasn't, and I mean. I can see them doing some some of the stopgap moves. The reason I don't I don't see them doing say you know Ian Cole, let's say Bluger, and let's say another cheap forward to come in and battle for a spot. The reason I don't see them doing that is I think that's too much patchwork for them, and I think they they love to get an impact player somewhere. And and maybe right now the Barbashev seems like the easy ad because he's just a free agent signing. I guess the surprise would be if they finally pull off a trade or do something. It's just we just kind of go back to the same thing, don't we? Here, Donnie, it's. What can this team actually trade, and what are you willing yeah. to trade, and what can you actually acquire with it? Because if you're not moving 11, and if you're not moving, you know, next year's first round draft pick, like, what do you really have that's really enticing for other teams? Hey, I know a lot of Canucks fans love Niels Hoaglander, but his value's not that high, right? I mean, Vasily Podkolzin's yeah. solid, but it's not like he has super high value. And the draft pick they made last year, like Hiramaki, is, I mean, he's a pick they made last year. I mean, how much value can a guy like that already have, anyways? Yeah. Well, the the one, well, no, I shouldn't say the one. I mean, they're NHL players. Everybody has value to some extent. But you know, what, do they think about Archer Seelovs at this point? While well, he's coming off a, a you know World Championship MVP, his value obviously increased there. Would would he be somebody you move off of, and or are you too afraid because his career seems to be ascending? But you, you just said it, Seth, that, that the patchwork approach. I think people are tired of that as well. I think. You know, I say, you know, they don't want them to sign uh, any big free agents because mm-hmm. or, you know, sign any big free agent contracts because it hasn't worked out, you know, but people are also tired of patchwork. So, yeah, maybe a, a trade of some significance using something like Silas where you can get something back in return for a guy that even if you lose him, you still have Demko. Maybe that's something they that they think about. But then again, how much can they how much can they uh Get get from I'm I'm not sure, but I I I'm with you with the patchwork word. It's it's so it's it's a little tiring for people. And it's you know I guess ever since they officially bought out Oliver Ekman Larson, you know this was kind of signaling, hey, we're we're sort of done with the retool, reset, whatever they were calling it at the time, and we're ready to to be more competitive again and we're going to go out and and sign some veterans to help this team get through get over the top a little bit it uh, it you know I, I think a lot of people think it might be too soon but clearly they think they are through the retool reset phase Donnie yeah and I, I think you know if they were to do nothing there's three things they have to depend on I think number one is a good start to the season we'll see what their schedules like the, at the start it can't be as bad as it was uh, last year, Demko being healthy for a full year, and then you know Rick Tockett's influence for a, for a full season, and then and then may, is there enough belief in that where you don't make any big moves, but you feel that you know those three things can get you through? You don't, you don't have a ton of control over mm-hmm. how you start, but can't be worse than last year losing your first uh, seven games. So maybe there's enough belief there in those three things that okay, we'll stand pat, maybe get a Barbashev and and see what happens there, but. I, I, but the other thing too, guys, we've been talking so much about the right side of the defense. Yeah. Now we're talking about the right side of the defense, having lost Ethan Bear, and then now the left side of the defense, having lost Oliver Ekman Larson. At the very least, they have to make one move 
to do to, to improve their their blue line. But I think they. I think they're really curious about those three elements I talked about. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be fascinating, I think, on the back end, because, I mean, there, there are a lot of names, and I think a guy like Ryan Graves, from what I've heard, I think wants to play in the States, and he may be priced out anyways. I mean, for a guy who's more of a defensive guy, may, may end up getting over $5 million per season or something along those lines. But I think what's interesting is it's the Susie types, it's the Ian Cole types, it's Luke Shen. Is that somebody Vancouver circles back to? There's Justin Hall on the free agent market. It just kind of seems like if they sign, sign free agent defensemen, those are the types of guys we'll end up adding. And I don't think they have much of a choice outside of those guys that are patchwork types unless you make a trade, right? Because you can't sign Orlov to a huge contract, and I'm not even sure he wants to come here to begin with. Well, the other thing, too, with Luke Shen is, okay, you could look at that as a patchwork move, or can you say to yourself it's much more than a patchwork because clearly he has a great working relationship with Quinn Hughes. So if you make your best defenseman happy, and you make them better, I think that goes beyond patchwork. Mm-hmm. And plus you have that, again, old school element that right. guys like talk love. So I think that's more than a patchwork move. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was, I know he's, um, I was going to say, I know he's hanging out in Kelowna, but like three quarters of the NHL does in the summer anyway. But yep. so read into that what you will. Uh, playing softball in Kelowna. We saw a picture of him on the weekend on Twitter. But uh, yeah, that, that to me would be more than a patchwork just because of his relationship with Hughes. And you want to keep that guy uh, keep that guy happy. So um, I, that would that would be a move that wouldn't surprise me at, at all. Uh, I, I guess uh, you know one of the things that's kind of taken over NHL Twitter is is what's going to happen with the Calgary Flames here, Donnie. Uh, yeah. Do you feel for the Flames at all? The situation they're in, everybody wants out, <laughs> and now they're like almost being backed into a corner where they're going to give Elias Lindholm way more money than he's actually worth in order to keep him around. I feel sorry for the Flames, but at the same time, uh, like I'm just wondering where this is going for all Canadian teams because you've got the Jets, all those players wanting out. Now the Flames, so many of those players, despite the fact they got rid of Sutter, they, they all want out. So what does that mean for Vancouver? What does that mean with Vancouver's uh, relationship with Elias Pedersen? Uh, what does it mean long-term for Connor McDavid? Is this about taxes? Is it about the border? Is it about the attention they receive from the media and the fans when they go out in public? Like, what's going on here? I wonder I wonder where this is going. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I feel bad for the Flames in a way. I mean, they are the Canucks' rival. But I, I feel bad for them, but I just wonder where it's going. Like, no expansion, mm-hmm. no team moving to Quebec City. You know, we all know Montreal's situation. It, it's... Yeah, and Ottawa with Dubrincic wanting out of there it really is tiring, and I'm just wondering where it's going. So for me, it's not just about the Flames; it's about the Canucks and every other, every other Canadian franchise. And we all know they haven't. We have yeah. this country hasn't won a Stanley Cup since 1993. And I know a lot of people say, "Well, who cares? It's hockey, and a lot of the players are Canadian, and you know, so much of Vegas's roster was Canadian." But it's just it's, it's interesting. What is this? What does this mean for our country's NHL teams? It's it's starting to pile up a bit, and I wonder where it's going. Well, I think the team to be most worried about, honestly, is the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, Ottawa's getting new ownership, and that's a lot of money invested. They're going to get a new rink, it looks like, at, at some point. Calgary's getting a new rink. We know Edmonton you know, has a new rink, and you know, Montreal and, and Toronto are, are obviously not going anywhere. And you know, we can complain about Vancouver and everything going on here. We know they almost sell out the rink every night, no matter what, regardless of winning or losing hockey games. But yeah. in Winnipeg, so if they move Pierre-Luc Dubois, a guy who doesn't want to be there, if they move other guys who don't want to be there, 
And if they have another, if they have a sideways year next year, they already threatened kind of, you know, had a thinly veiled threat to leave with their season ticket kind of push, you know, a couple months ago. Are they literally two or, th- two or three bad years away from maybe leaving Winnipeg again? Because that's the one I worry about the most. Out of all the Canadian markets, that's the one I'm, I'm most worried about. Yeah, and just the, the its size and the so- size of the arena, the facility. I know it's they can't everyone... even sell it out. I mean, they have like yeah. they have like yeah. one of some of the worst. I mean, they, you know, obviously because they have a small rink, but when you're not even at ninety some percent capacity, <laughs> that that's pretty yeah. bad for a rink that doesn't even seat sixteen thousand. And, and it's a great atmosphere, but you're you're bang on in a city that just loves that that just loves hockey. And um, you know, the one thing with Winnipeg is that their ownership is 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 rich. You know, I think they're among the richest owners in the NHL. Maybe that helps, but maybe they get frustrated too. It's just uh, you know, with the players not not wanting to stick there uh, uh, long term, um, and nothing would surprise me. Let's not forget. I mean, that's a that's a franchise that's already been le- relocated once. I hope it doesn't happen again. But you know, maybe you know, with all the talk about Arizona moving to Quebec City, maybe it's, that's that's a team that moves there. I, I'm I'm not really sure, but I'm I'm kind of worried about everybody. But you're right, Zach. Winnipeg's number one on the list. Uh, before we let you go, Donnie, who's uh, who's going to be the team of the summer in Vancouver? Is it the BC Lions or is it the Whitecaps? Well, uh, you know, Whitecaps winning on the road is is big. Yeah, Ryan Gold, man, he's he's on fire lately. Yeah, absolutely. And Vanny running into the crowd, <laughs> hug, hug the Whitecaps fans. It was a, it was a great scene and like goals and a, a, a lot of fun. So I'm not really sure, but you know, the Lions are maybe it's Eva, but the Lions beat three and zero and. They just look so solid, and and every move they make, and this owner just seems to be so smart. Um, it's hard to bet against them. Uh, I, I, I say that because every facet of their game seems so good right now. You rarely see that in, in professional football. They and I know it's very early, and I also know they started out really well last year. But I think Vernon Adams is way better than they expected him, him, him to be. Um, I, he was, I think, well, he was. He was acquired as a stopgap manager until Nathan Work got um, healthy last year. Reality is, they probably don't host a playoff game if he isn't four and two as a starter last year. He just looks so confident, and you know they, they beat the best team in the CFL without two of their best receivers um, last week. It was really impressive, and I haven't even talked about the defense yet. It's been, it's been, it's been great. So it's hey, look, enjoy it because it's been a while since you had you know. You know, one or in this case, two teams that are actually winning. It's been it's been fun. It's only June, and I know because you know we, we can overhype the CFL early, and things can change a lot. But it's a year where the, where the Lions may have the best player on defense and offense on the same yeah. team this year, and that's pretty special. Yeah, well, yeah, and and you know, uh, Adams, and then I, if you're talking about uh, bets, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I just I can remember the first time seeing him play live. And I'm like, who the hell is that? Like, he is a rocket. Like, he is fast and big. And he he, he looked unstoppable the other day against a really good team. Um, it's been it's been it's been really impressive. And, and I'll use the word fun again. Donnie, appreciate the time as always. Thanks for this. Anytime, guys. Love it. Uh, there is Don Taylor joining us here on uh, on Canuck Central. Yeah, he's hyped for the Lions. Yeah, man. Why wouldn't you be? I mean, they've been absolutely stellar now um, the entire season, building off last year, and you got a quarterback to build on. And we'll see if the Canucks can get a step closer to being a contender. I mean, you know, it would be a great year if, you know, it's a good omen if the, you know, Lions, I mean, obviously playoff team, but the Whitecaps can get into the playoffs. Yeah. The Canucks make a playoff push in yeah. earnest this year, and 
you know, maybe we're on to a new era of success in this market, which would be nice. I wonder if we could uh, call up our pals at BCLC and get a line on the Lions, Whitecaps, and Canucks all making the playoffs. That's like too long of a futures bet, though. Yeah. It's a long wait <laughs> for the Vancouver Canucks <laughs> if you're going to place that money down right now. But uh, Canucks still got some work to do. That much we do know as uh, they continue to get ready for draft night and what they could do. You know, there's always going to be some trepidation on the idea of spending big money. You know, moving a player like Connor Garland who can score a little bit, but how functional is his fit on this particular roster is always going to be a question with him. So there's still some work to do for the Vancouver Canucks. We'll get more into that and some of the stories that are happening around the league. Yeah, Pierre-Luc Dubois still on the trade block. We had a couple of trades over the weekend. Ryan Johansson, Sean Dersey. What do we think of those trades, and should the Canucks have been in on them? We'll get to that next on Canucks Central.